For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. In today's overstimulated world, many have forgotten how to experience something essential for authentic worship, the simplicity of wonder. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah looks all the way back to creation as he considers the awe-inspiring power of wonder. Do you still possess it? From the series, My Heart's Desire, here's David to introduce today's message, The Wonder of Worship. You know, you don't have to sing raise your hands, clap, um, in any way gesture to worship. Sometimes worship is a quiet moment in the middle of nowhere, maybe standing outside looking up at the heavens, realizing what a great God you have, and just being filled with the wonder of it all. All of us, if we reflect on our lives, have had moments like that. And uh, they are moments that can't be scheduled. You, you can't repeat them exactly. They come at moments that you don't expect. And when you get those moments, you capture them. Let me tell you about one moment I had uh, not long ago. I was here during the Christmas season uh, at our church, and I had forgotten something at the church and had to come back late at night and get it. When I got there, all the lights were on out on what we call Main Street, there was not a soul on campus. And I walked down on Main Street. There was a big Christmas tree at the other end of the street. And all of a sudden, I stood there and I realized that I was in the presence of God in a way that I knew was true anyway, but it didn't, it didn't impact me like it did that night. And I just stood there with a spirit of gratitude for the privilege God has given me to do what I do and the the joy of knowing that Christ has come and that we're celebrating his, his, his coming. And I hope you have some moments like that because today we're going to talk about the wonder of worship and what it means to really understand who you are in Christ and what that means. Don't forget, friends, that you can get a copy of the book, My Heart's Desire, and a study guide and a CD message album from davidjeremiah.org. If you go there, you will find all this information. And the resource for the month of September is Moving Mountains, the 2023 Turning Point Calendar, exclusive 14-month calendar, including November and December. And it's yours for the asking when you send your gift to Turning Point during this ninth month of the year, the month of September. And you'll have it in time so you can start entering your dates on it for November, December of this year, and then all of 2023. Ask for it when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Okay, here's part one of The Wonder of Worship. The American space program launched our imaginations when men first landed on the moon. And one of the stories out of the space program that happened during the last days of the Apollo flights was reported by Jacob Needleman, one of the reporters who gathered to cover the launch of Apollo 17 back in 1975. 
The launch was scheduled for evening and the reporters were making a social occasion out of the day. They strolled the lawn of the press section where refreshments were laid out on picnic tables. They snacked and drank and cracked their usual jokes which were drenched in sarcasm. And that's the way of reporters, of course, because all they do is report all of the negative things that go on in the world daily, and so it's not hard for them to become a bit sarcastic and cynical. Finally, it was time for the great Atlas rocket, a 35-story tower of power, to hurtle into the heavens. And there was the familiar countdown, and then the launch, and as Needleman reports it, the reporters were suddenly all but blinded by a vast field of orange light. Their eyes could barely handle the intensity. Then in deafening silence, understanding that sound travels less rapidly than light, the great rocket thundered into the dark canopy of the night. The sound waves arrived seconds later in full force with a cataclysmic sound that jangled the reporter's bones. They felt their toes tremble with the earth. And the rocket traveled higher then higher still as the first stage ignited in the spectacular blue flame. It seemed to have become a star bearing three men that were bound for glory. And then all of it was gone, vanished into the atmosphere and the depths of space. There was silence among the press corps and Needleman saw the men's eyes filled with light and their mouths wide open and their faces lit by the inner glow of sheer wonder. Most amazing of all was the sight of hardened, cynical newspaper men whose whole bearing seemed to be changed. The edge had been knocked off. Smiles were now authentic and gentle, and conversation was quiet and reverent. Men were helping each other with their chairs and with their notebooks, and if only for a moment of time, a sense of awe had taken possession of them and had changed their behavior patterns. We all have to admit that moments like that are too few in the dark night in which we live. In a true age of wonders filled by spaceships and the internet and microchips, we have become a generation characterized not by awe, but by cynicism. We began the last century with predictions that it was going to be a utopian period of time. All of the victories of science and industry would surely deliver new prosperity and new capabilities and new answers to all of our old problems. But while the 20th century arrived with the marvel of the light bulb, it left us with the explosion of mass destruction. And the transitional moment from the century of progress to whatever lies ahead of us in the new millennium took place on September the 11th, 2001. Two of the world's most magnificent towers, symbols of sophistication and free world commerce, were savaged by the forces of primitive hatred. As we watched the images of the people leaping to their deaths and we heard of the thousands who perished in collapsing steel and mortar, we felt anything inside of us but wonder. We were chilled by the horror and the dread beyond anything we could ever have considered before. And we wondered if we would ever live again without looking over our shoulders. Just as our capabilities seemed to have an exponential explosion Our capacity for wonder was destroyed. Century ago, G.K. Chesterton wrote, the world is not lacking in wonders, but in a sense of wonder. 
I want us to come to grips with the idea of wonder. Because I do not believe that worship exists apart from it. Worship can never be the sole work of the rational mind. It can't be drawn up on paper and measured on charts. Worship and wonder are all about coming to the end of our own measurements and in the presence of the Almighty God, sensing the sense that is beyond ourselves. Without the capacity for awe, without the ability to wonder, if we allow cynicism to take over in our lives, we will never be able to truly worship. And I'm very concerned about that because I believe that the spirit of cynicism has begun to creep into the church and rob us of the heritage we have in our relationship with God. What was the last time you felt a sense of wonder in your life? Was it Christmas morning when you were five years old and you walked into the room and it was filled from wall to wall with trains? Was it your first sight of the ocean? Trying to remember the most prominent thought that would come to my mind about my sense of wonder. And I was reminded of the time when growing up in a house with three siblings, my mom and dad decided we were going to go to the West Coast in a station wagon and see all of the wonderful landmarks and sights out here. And what I remember the most was when we got to the Grand Canyon. And as a boy of about 12, I walked out and stood on the edge of that abyss and looked down into it. The awesome feeling that I had of just a sense of wonder. And as when I talk about it, I can recapture those feelings that I had. I asked Donna, what was the last time you felt a sense of wonder to your heart? And she didn't even think for a moment. She said, when I held our firstborn in my arms and every woman is shaking their head up and down a friend mailed me a story that kind of illustrates this it's a story about a woman who went into a haagen store on the Kansas City Plaza for an ice cream cone and after making her selection she turned and found herself face to face with Paul Newman who was in town to make a movie he smiled and said hello to her and Newman's blue eyes caused her knees to shake She managed to pay for the cone and then left the shop with her heart pounding. When she gained her composure, she realized that she didn't have her snack. So she started back into the store to get it and she met Newman coming out the door. Are you looking for your ice cream, he asked. She nodded, unable to speak. You put it in your purse with your change. When was the last time your sense of God quickened your pulse? Or as my friend wrote, when was the last time you were God-struck? Easy to get star-struck. When was the last time you were God-struck? If you read the Word of God, you will discover, if you get your arms around it, that this book is a wonderful book, but it is also a book full of wonders. You can't get past the first verses before you begin to sense the wonder of it all. And I'm going to ask you to do something that will be very difficult for some of you. I'm going to ask you to read with me out loud three passages of Scripture during the course of this message. And here's the rub. I want us to read them as if we had never read them before. As I said, this will be hard for some of you and not at all difficult for some of the rest of you. Read them as if you had never read them before. And remember 
the sense of wonder that is underlying all of this. Let's begin with the first 10 verses of the Bible, reading from Genesis chapter 1. And read out loud. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Yes, yes, it is good what God did in the creation of this world out of nothing. There was a time when there wasn't anything enough to be called nothing. And out of that, God created everything that we see in the universe around us. And when we read that God saw that it was good, we say, yes, it is good. And that's our most basic response. When we look into the star-filled sky or we see the sun rise in glory over a mountain bathing the skies in orange and deep blue. But when we see that which God has proclaimed as good, we have to respond more than just with our minds, more than just with our intellect. We stand amazed and we wonder. And that's a point I want us to stop and consider. For the ability to marvel, the ability to wonder, lies at the very core of our identity as human beings and separates us from the animal kingdom. Animals cannot wonder. God placed that capacity into the human being. And it is a built-in channel that God gave us for encountering God himself. It is the capacity to wonder that is the open doorway to worship. Albert Einstein put it this way. He said, the most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. It is the source of all true art and science. He to whom the emotion is a stranger, he to whom it is no longer possible to pause and stand wrapped in awe, he is as good as dead, for his eyes are closed. The wonder of creation. But that's only the beginning. Can you comprehend with me for just a moment how this is all going to be culminated? What's going to happen in the days that are yet before us? If you read the beginning of the book of Genesis, you get a sense of the wonder of creation. But when you come to the book of Revelation, you get an even greater sense of the wonder of the culmination of all that God has planned and what is ultimately going to happen in the future. And in order that we might understand it, 
Almighty God had to give us a vicarious experience through the Apostle John. He actually allowed John the Apostle to see what it would be like so that he could write it. And in our own finite minds, we could perhaps at least get our arms around it enough to wonder after it. So as we've read from the book of Genesis, join me as we read from the book of Revelation from the first chapter, verses 12 through 17. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with the golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like the fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. If you could perceive, even in the way that John perceived heaven, If you could get a sense of God, even in the distant way that John got a sense of God and described it in the only kind of words that we could even comprehend. Eyes like shining fire. A voice like the sound of many waters. This is one human's comprehension of God in words that he's trying to convey as he writes to us about the experience he had when he looked into glory and he saw the confines of heaven. And if we really understand what John is saying to us, we can't do anything but just wonder what an awesome, great God we have. And when we lose the capacity to wonder after him, if in order for us to appreciate God, we have to summarize him and calculate him and come to conclusions about him. There is something about the unknown mystery of God that adds to the sense of wonder that he is so much greater than all of us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts than our thoughts. If that were not so, how could he be God? And in our appreciation of him and in our worship of him, we have to get past just our intellectual appreciation and get into the sense of wonder. Creation and culmination are the bookends of the scripture. But in the very heart of the book, in the very middle, if you open your Bible to the middle of its pages, you will come to the book of Psalms. Here we find the songs that are about worship and wonder. If you read the words of David, he knew what it was like to wonder after God. I can't imagine a believer staying out of the book of Psalms very long. It's the one book that touches us in every part of our life. No matter what your problem, no matter what your situation, no matter what you're going through, you read the book of Psalms far enough, you will find a psalm where the psalmist expresses almost what you've experienced and comes to the conclusion of rest in God. But read with me this well-known psalm, Psalm 8. I've chosen the first and third through the fifth verses. Let's read it out loud together once again. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? 
For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. It is no wonder that this particular psalm has been a favorite of men and women throughout all of ages. For one thing, it expresses how we all feel at one time or another. God has set his glory above the heavens. We look into the sky and we know that as majestic as the view might be, there is something even more beyond that. Something above all that we can see or feel. And I believe that's the real essence of wonder. When we see the creative work of God and we go past that to God himself. The night sky casts a divine spell over us. God designed it to be like that. David, the psalmist who gazed upon these stars during so many nights of watching over his sheep, must have continually marveled. His psalms surely must have, many of them, been written out under the canopy of space when he spent a night out there shepherding his sheep and was overwhelmed by the beauty of the creative hand of God. He must have realized who was watching over him as he watched over the sheep. And as he considered his Lord, according to the psalm, he finally was brought to consider himself. Have you ever wondered at yourself? (laughs) I mean, in a serious way. The Bible wonders, first of all, at creation and then at culmination. And now, as we read Psalm 8, we're wondering at the creature himself. And listen to what he wonders. As he considers his Lord, he finally is brought to consider himself and his thoughts are, who am I that I should be worthy of even a thin moment of your attention? And he just wonders. Can you comprehend that? The God who built the universe in which we live, who fashioned the skies, who created the earth and all that is in it, that incredibly awesome God knows your name, knows my name knows what's happening in my life. You say, how can that be? It is a sense of wonder to me. And yet I know it is true that God knows our name. The Bible says he even knows the number of hairs on our head. True worship brings us to this place. It simultaneously humbles us and uplifts us at the same time. In other words, worship places us exactly where we should be in the realization that we are tiny creatures in the presence of a great God, but we are tiny creatures whom he adores. Oh, what the wonder of that could be. The Bible begins with the wonder of creation and it ends with the wonderful culmination of God's judgment. And in the very center are the Psalms, the songs of praise and wonder that we sing as we try to comprehend the greatness of our Creator God. My friends, if we want to worship in spirit and in truth, we have to rediscover the capacity to wonder that God has placed within each of us. It is a God-given gift, and it has been distorted by sin so that our perceptions have been twisted. The opposite of wonder is cynicism. And I doubt if there has ever been a time more characterized by cynicism than the day in which you and I live today. After September the 11th, there was so much media discussion about the death of irony. But in fact, little has changed. There is a culture of sarcasm that for decades has filtered down from our media and many of our leaders to infect us all. And let me tell you something, men and women, cynicism is a deadly infection 
that eats away at your childlike ability to be surprised and delighted and to wonder. It corrodes the channel of worship that God has created for you to commune with him. And it's a disease that is terminal if you don't take care of it. Hmm. Boy, that sounds like something um, that um, we should listen to every day, doesn't it? Um, I said that some years ago, but it's like I could have said it yesterday and it would have been as um, contemporary and important. Cynicism corrodes the channel that God created in you for worship. And isn't it interesting how easy it is for us, even as Christians, to become cynics? There's so much to be cynical about. I mean, every day something happens that you just don't understand. How could this be happening? And what in the world is wrong? And before you know it, you're off on a negative uh, journey uh, from which you don't return, maybe for a whole day. And um, worship's pretty hard in a context like that. So... We'll have some more about the wonder of worship tomorrow. And then Thursday and Friday, we're going to talk about the sacrifice of worship. In the meantime, don't forget to get your copy of our calendar for 23, starting in November of 22. It's a 14-month calendar. We offer it in September so that there's no doubt you will have it in plenty of time to begin entering your dates. It's yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point during the month of September. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, My Heart's Desire, please visit our website. There you will also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of our 14-month calendar for 2023, Moving Mountains filled with inspiring scriptures and images to encourage you in your walk. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several handsome cover options. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, My Heart's Desire, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. There have been more than a dozen Earls of Shaftesbury in British history, and one of them made this observation. If the Pope had been married, the Earl said, he would soon discover that he was not infallible. That's a good quote, not for what it says about the Pope, 
but about relationships. Relationships have a way of revealing things about us that we sometimes don't like. Being in a relationship with God certainly does that, but it also happens in relationships with people. And what we learn is usually something we need to know and need to work on correcting. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God uses others in our lives on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.